Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Let's, let's welcome all of our campuses from Midtown to North Cobb to Hamilton Mill and all of our online campus. We welcome you. Let's all welcome you here at our Norcross campus. We're so glad that you're here. We are in a series called The Holy Spirit. It's been a magnificent series. And uh, Johnson asked me to just kind of close this out for, for the last message. And we're going to talk about today how to activate the supernatural in your life. How many of you want to learn how to do that? Amen. The supernatural. All right. Well, before we do that, I want to pray a prayer. There's two prayers I want to pray before we get into the message because I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning to pray these two prayers. Number one, uh, you know, this is a kind of a challenging season of life right now. We've been going through for the last couple of years, but the Lord said, I want you to pray for all the pastors uh, of the campuses and the senior pastors of this church because we, we do a lot of praying for you, but a lot of times people don't do praying for our pastors, amen? So I wanna pray for Pastor Johnson and Summer and all of our leaders at the different campuses. And then also, I wanna pray for the Ukraine. And, and I think you know why we're praying for the Ukraine. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the next few moments. We just ask you to come now and hear our prayers. I pray for Pastor Johnson and Summer for Pastors Chris and Lisa, for Mo and Kendra at Hamilton, Mill, at Hamilton Mill in Midtown. We pray for Darius and Melba at North Cobb. We pray, God, that you would put a special touch on their lives as we move forward into this next phase of our church. I thank you for anointing them as leaders and giving them the heart of God, the wisdom of God to navigate all the challenging times that are coming our way. I pray, Lord, that you would put your hand on them, that each campus we begin to experience a special anointing of the Holy Spirit. As we've been teaching on you, Holy Spirit, we ask you to honor that teaching and just begin to pour out your spirit on each of our campuses now and begin to bring the people back to church in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray also for the Ukraine. For I see the Ukraine many, many times uh, I look at wars and I see what you do in these wars and I see the Ukraine almost like Israel where you have a hand on them in the midst of an impossible situation. You are preserving that nation right now, supernaturally. And we're praying for the leaders, Zelensky, and all those who are standing in courageous faith to hold the ground for their nation right now. We add our prayers with thousands and millions of others around the world, around the globe, that God, you would do something in that nation that makes it very clear that you are involved, you're engaged, and you are protecting the people of the Ukraine. I pray that over them right now. Let you, let you have your way in that part of the world right now. Come on, now we extend our prayers towards you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's give him praise. Amen. <laughs> if you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter one, and I'm gonna start with a story that uh, kind of helps us navigate this, this subject of the supernatural. Because I know when we talk about the supernatural, most of us are not used to hearing much about the supernatural or living in the supernatural, especially if we come from traditional settings in the church, which I came from many years ago, when I first heard about the supernatural, it kind of didn't resonate with me because I just never heard teachings from the Bible about how God operates in the supernatural. And I'm going to take you back on my, to my story, because my story is my story, and, and nobody can talk me out of my story. 
And, and, and I, because of, of the things that have happened in my life, I've, I've been saved now over 40 years and I've had so many supernatural experiences with God that you can't tell me God is not God. Okay, you can't talk me out of God in more than anything. I, I, I know who God is. And, and, and this happened to me almost 40 years ago. I was sitting in a mall in Baltimore, Maryland. I had a business back then. I was in my early 20s. And I was sitting in a mall, and uh, I was doing some business there, but I had a little break, and I was reading the Bible. I was a brand new Christian, maybe a few months old in the Lord, and I was reading the Bible because back then, you gotta understand, I was so... I was such a radical sinner. How many of you have ever been a radical sinner? I was such a radical sinner that I knew I needed to get busy with God immediately after I got saved. I couldn't wait because, because I knew if, if, if I gave it the devil any time, he would talk me out of this relationship with Christ. So I'm reading the Bible, and as I'm reading the Bible, this guy comes up to me, total stranger, walks up to me, and kneels down. I'm sitting on a chair. He kneels down in front of me, and he goes, are you a follower of Christ? And I said, yes, I am. I said, I, I just became a, a, a follower of Christ recently. And he asked me a question that Paul asks in the Bible in the book of Acts. And here's what he, what he said. He said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you've believed? Since you believe, since you've been saved. That's the exact same question that Paul asked believers in the Bible in the book of Acts chapter 16, he says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you've been saved, since you started following Christ? Which I thought, what a strange question. But I gave the same answer as the people in the Bible gave. Here's what the people in the Bible said to Paul, and this is what I said to him. I haven't heard about the Holy Spirit. I have not heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what that means. And that's exactly what they said to Paul. And he said, well, let me explain some things to you. So he he said, let me show you a couple things in the scripture. So he took me to the book of Ephesians. And if you have a Bible, look with me in Ephesians chapter one. And here's a prayer that Paul prayed. It's an amazing prayer. It's probably the most significant prayer for the church that we can read in the Bible. And here's what it says in Ephesians chapter one, verse 15. He says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for your for you making mention of you in my prayer. So this is Paul's prayer for believers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what, this, what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. He's talking about the spirit world. He said, this Jesus is above all other things in the spirit world. And he says, and every name that's named, not only in this age, but in also in that which is to come. In other words, he's establishing that the name of Jesus has authority over everything in the spirit world. And he says, and he put all things, everybody say all things, all things. everything, sickness, disease, poverty, tragedy, everything, anything good, everything evil, everything under his feet, and he gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church. 
Jesus is the head of the church, and then he said he gave his authority to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Paul is praying this prayer, and he's saying there's three revelations that the church has to get. And he's praying these revelations. And let me just say this, that these three revelations are the very prayers that I've been praying for the last 30 years over this church, that you would get these revelations. When I pray personally for you as the church, I'm praying specifically for these three revelations. And for the last 32 years, we, in all of our sermons, in all of our structure, and everything that we do, we're trying to birth these three revelations in your heart by the Holy Spirit. All right, here's the first one. What are you called to do? What's your purpose in life? He's saying, I pray that you get the revelation of who you are and what God's called you to do. You have a purpose, a divine purpose that's far bigger than what you think about yourself. The second revelation is what is he invested in you? What is your value to God? And he's saying, you gotta understand your value. So if you, once you understand your value, you're no longer trying to prove yourself to people. You're no longer trying to appease people or make people think more highly of you, of you than they should. You're not worried about, listen to me, you're not worried about what people think about you. You're not living your life pleasing people because you already know that you're valuable to God. And as long as you're valuable to God, it doesn't matter what man says about you. In fact, you'll just find this out. The more you serve God, the more people will criticize you. They'll, they'll make stories up about you. If you start really serving God, they'll try to find all kinds of fault with you. And, but he says, but once you understand your value, that rock of value that you are, you're identified in Christ, your identity is not in how you look, your identity is not in your job, it's not who you're married to, it's not your personality, your identity is in Christ. It's not in your race, it's not in your economic status. Come on, somebody. That's not who you are. You are in Christ. No longer I that live, but it's Christ Jesus that lives inside of me. Once you understand that, you live with a confidence that most of the world don't live with. And then thirdly, he says, that you give a revelation of what power is available to you. What power? Now, have you ever sat down and thought about that? The power. The power of God. Now, how many of you know God is all-powerful? He can do... <laughs> oh, I, I, that's a weak amen at this 11 o'clock service. I know y'all lost an hour of sleep, but my goodness. God's all-powerful. He can do anything. Now, I'm just, I'm just telling you right now, I've seen God do some supernatural things. And so, and so the reason I say that is because once you see God do something supernatural, you can't go back. You can't go back and say, well, God can't do this or God can't do that. Because the Bible says nothing is impossible with God. With man, things are impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. So if you lean heavily on your mind and the science of life, you're going to have a hard time with the supernatural of God. Because God bypasses your natural mind. God bypasses science. I know. I know. This is science. I'm a science person. And here's what I want you to understand. So you can't figure God out. You can't put God in a box. God is all powerful. And what, he, and what Paul is praying is that you would get a revelation of that power that's available to you. That power is available to you. Now, everything you read in the Bible involves the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything. In fact, the Bible's written basically by the Holy Spirit through man. 
The Holy Spirit inspires man to write. How, how do you get five, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, written by Moses where he's not even alive yet, but he's writing about creation? He gets the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Creation is supernatural. This is why people have a hard time with they They can't make sense of the supernatural, so they go back to the natural and say, we evolved out of nothing. We evolved out of a cell. And a cell turned into this, and it turned into that, and turned into that. Well, let me ask you something. Where did the cell come from? Where did it come from? You can't answer that question. There are some things about God you cannot define or explain. But that's why he's God and you're not. Amen. There's, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, the secret things belong to the Lord. All I know is there's too much divine order, too much structure in, in, in the world and society to tell me that we just evolved out of a, some amoeba somewhere with no intelligent design to us. Amen. But to believe in creation means you believe in the supernatural. That God created the earth, that God created humanity. And you go through the Old Testament and you see miracle upon miracle upon miracle. And then you get to Jesus and Jesus is the epitome of miracles. Everywhere he goes, he performs signs and wonders. Do you know what signs and wonders are? God gives a sign that makes you wonder. <laughs> How did that happen? When he raised a person from the dead, you can't, do, you can't raise people from the dead. When he walked on water, you can't walk on water. When he healed people that were blind and people that were deaf and people that were lame. How many of you know you can't do that, but a human being did that and his name is Jesus on a regular basis. And then he sends, to, he sends this message to the church that the things, the works that I do, you will also do. All right, so back to the story. So the man says to me, have you received the Holy Spirit since you've been saved? And I said, no, I haven't. And he said, would you like to? And now, now that's, that's the million dollar question. Would you like to receive the Holy Spirit? Would you like to receive all that God has for you? Would you like to receive the supernatural power of God? Now, I don't know about you, but this is just me. I want everything God has for me. I want all of it. I don't want half of it. Listen to me, half of it is religion. All of it is a relationship. That's a relationship. I want all of you, God. I don't want half of you. I want all of you. I want not only Jesus, but I want the third person, the Holy Spirit. Everybody say third person. I want the third person involved in my life, controlling my life, using me to do whatever he wants to do. Jesus said, I can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what uses me to heal people, to do, to do amazing miracles. It's the Holy Spirit that performs the supernatural. So I said, yes, I do. And I, he said, well, we're in a mall right now. He says, it's not really the proper place. He said, can, can I meet with you after work today? I said, yes, I'm staying at such and such hotel. Could you come over? Now, I lived in a day, I lived in a day where people actually did that. They actually said, without cell phones, without text messages, without any kind of information, they just said with their mouth, I will come over to your place. Where do you stay? Where are you staying? I gave him the address, and he just came over there. He didn't text me saying something came up, I can't make it. He didn't call me saying, well, I'm with my friends, I don't think I have time, blah, blah, blah. How many of you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and he came. 
at 9.30 to my hotel room. And he sat down with me and he started talking to me about the Holy Spirit. And he said to me, he said, listen, Dennis, he said, I'm about to pray for you. And he said, something supernatural is gonna happen to you. Something supernatural is gonna happen to you. And I'm gonna, ooh, you know, <laughs> what's gonna happen? He says, when I pray for you, you're gonna be filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire, and fire. And it's gonna do a work inside of you, listen to me, where you'll never be the same again. And he said, it's not that you're, you're not saved, you're not a Christian when you receive Christ, it's that this is, this is what it's called another level of Christianity. And I, I, I like it, I call it high definition Christianity. That's what I, you remember high definition when it first came into being, you used to watch, I'm old enough to remember black and white TV. That's how old I am. And, and then all of a sudden color, woo! But then high D. Now you got ultra 4KD, where you can see the speck on somebody's face and everything. We can't go back, you can't go back. But the Lord said to me, there are people that are still living in black and white TV in Christianity today because they've never got the high definition of who the Holy Spirit is. So he said, when I pray for you, you're gonna, you're gonna pray in a language that you don't understand. It's called tongues, and the Bible calls it tongues. And I went, really? I said, I don't know. I don't know if I want that. He said, oh, you want that. He says, you want that because it's a supernatural prayer language that bypasses your natural mind. And it's a spiritual connection you make with the Holy Spirit that where you're talking to God, and listen to me, not only does people not understand, the devil doesn't understand what you're saying. It's a prayer language where only God, the Holy Spirit, can understand what you're saying. In fact, he told me in Romans, he said, it's when you don't know what to pray, you pray in the Spirit, it's the perfect will of God. You enter into another dimension of spiritual connection to God. So he prayed for me, and he put his hand on me, and he says, okay, begin to pray. And I said, okay, I'm ready. And I just sat there. I just waited. Wait. And he says, what are you waiting on? That's a question I'd like to ask some of y'all. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? I said, well, I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit to just take over my mouth. I thought that's what was going to, the Holy Spirit's just going to take over. He said, no, 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 no. He says, you have to do the speaking. You have to speak, and then the Holy Spirit forms the language. He said, when a child is born, they don't wait to speak. They just start babbling. And then eventually, they start speaking. And he said, you're just a child of God. He said, you just have to step out in faith and begin to speak. And I said, I don't know how to do that. He said, exactly. That's why so many people never receive their prayer language. Because their mind can't, re can't receive the supernatural side of God, so it shuts it down. He said, you've got to put your mind on the altar right now and say, Spirit, I receive you. Holy Spirit, I receive you, and I will pray according to your spirit. So I just started praying. I just started speaking. And as I started speaking, it just said, and all of a sudden, some of your, your minds right now are going crazy. <laughs> what was that? That's called speaking in tongues, praying in the spirit. And I started praying in the Spirit, and as I began to pray in the Spirit, it began to flow in me. And as it began to flow, I liked it. I said, I like this. Let's do this some more. And he says, well, I, 
I'm not going to sit here all night with you. He says, I've got to go home. He said, you can do this on your own anytime you want. So he left. I went into the shower because I, you know, I need to take a shower. So I'm in there taking a shower. And I'm going off in the spirit. And what I learned is I can do that anytime I want. I don't have to wait. And the longer, the more I do it, the more I connect myself to God. Now, what I didn't know about praying in the spirit is it connected me to the supernatural. It, it connected me to something that was supernatural called the gifts of the spirit. Now, as I begin to pray, the Lord began to show me some things in the Bible. And this is the first thing that he showed me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, there's three things that you'll experience when you receive the baptism. Number one, a greater boldness to share your faith. You're no longer afraid of people. I'm gonna say that one more time. All of you at all the campuses, you're no longer afraid of people. You're not, you don't worry about what people think because you're, you know what you have inside of you and the Holy Spirit gives you a boldness. This is how you know you're connecting strongly with the Holy Spirit is you have a boldness to share your faith. If you don't share your faith boldly, you're not as connected as you need to be with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you boldness. How many of you would like some boldness? You're gonna get some boldness. Hey, if you come back tonight at Thirst, we're gonna pray for you. And, and if some of you have not still received the Holy Spirit, maybe tonight is your night to receive it. And there's a boldness that comes with that. I, I noticed a boldness that came on me after that. I started sharing my faith with everybody I came in contact with. And, and then when something shut that down for a season, you know what shut it down? I joined a church. And I exchanged Christianity for a season for churchanity. How many of you know there's a difference between Christianity and churchanity? I'm firmly a believer in the church, but sometimes you can get so immersed in church and be around church people that you forget there's a whole lost world out there dying and going to hell. And if you forget them, you'll stop learning how to talk to them. You'll go walking up to people, glory to God, bless the Lord, hallelujah. <laughs> you need Jesus or you're going to hell. <laughs> That's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's churchanity. All right, so you get a greater boldness to share your faith. Number two, you get a prayer language. And, and, and I'm sure you've, you've already heard some teachings on that, and, and I don't wanna go into that in detail, but you get a new prayer language. And then thirdly, you begin to operate, you get the ability to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. In the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. So he then told me, he said, now listen, now that you've had the Holy Spirit come upon you, you've received this. He said, the first thing you need to do is study out the supernatural in the Bible. And he said, the best place to start is the book of John and then go into the book of Acts. John is mostly Jesus operating in the supernatural, but then commissioning his followers that they're going to operate in the supernatural. And then you'll see them in the book of Acts as he ascends to heaven, the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes upon the church and the people begin to operate in the supernatural. They begin to do the same works that Jesus did. And here's the word that Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, how many of you believe in Jesus? You believe in Jesus? All right, this qualifies you. The works that I do, remember the works of Jesus? Healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. The works that I do, he or she will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. 
So he says the church has the capacity to do more than what I did, and here I am, I'm doing all kinds of works, but you're gonna, your church has a bigger capacity because of all of the people that are gonna be in the church operating in the supernatural. And, the, and I'm sure the people were thinking, how are we going to do the works of Jesus? So he answers that right, right away. He says in verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he shall be in you. In other words, the way you're going to do these works is by the cooperation you have with the Holy Spirit. The more you cooperate with the Holy Spirit, the more the gifts of the Spirit are gonna function through you. All right, so how do we activate these gifts? How do we activate? Once we get the Holy Spirit in our lives, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a separate experience from our salvation, how do we function and activate the supernatural? I sat back and thought about how, what was the process that I went through to start seeing these things happen? And the Lord took me back and he said, there's three kind of stages or steps that you go through. Number one, you have to understand the gifts of the Spirit. You have to understand what they are. All right, so Paul writes a letter to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to explain a few things about the Holy Spirit. Here's what he says in verse one. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. In other words, I don't want you to not understand what these gifts are. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. And he's telling them, he's talking to people, particularly the Gentile world, who were worshiping idols, who were in all kinds of, they were functioning supernaturally, but the wrong kind of supernatural. They were functioning with dark arts. They were functioning with the occult. They were functioning, functioning with witchcraft, all kinds of stuff. By the way, all those things are real. And if you don't believe those things are real, then you're, you're deceived because they are real. There are spiritual darknesses in this world that are functioning through people. People practice the occult, practice witchcraft, all those kinds of things. Amen. If you're from certain countries, you know that for sure. It's very open and out there. That's, it's almost a religion in that country. Amen. In America, we just have these secret you know, things going on behind the scenes, not out as much in the open, although now it is more in the open. It's all, you see it in TV programming, movies, you see it in all kinds of, all these young people pursuing the supernatural. Why? Because the church has not taught them about the supernatural. So they know it's real, but they don't know how to operate in it from God's side. They only know how to operate it from the dark side. So he says, I, I, you've been practicing all these things. He says, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God calls Jesus a curse and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Whenever I'm around somebody who's in the darkness, or the occult or anything like that, I always, and they start talking to me about supernatural stuff. I said, can I, can I ask you a question before we go any further? What do, you be, what do you believe about Jesus? Where are you with Jesus? As soon as you say the name of Jesus, it identifies exactly what you're dealing with. Are you following me? And, and usually they don't like that name too good. And it says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation or the activation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another the faith by the same spirit, 
to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So he's saying, it's the Holy Spirit that gives these gifts as he wills. Now let me just say something about that statement. The Holy Spirit wills a lot more than we are willing. He wills for people to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but most of us are resistant to it because we don't understand it. We don't understand what it means. So let me just give you a brief little description of what the gifts of the Spirit means. And by the way, he kind of breaks them down in what I call three categories. Three categories. One is the revelation gifts. Two is the power gifts. And three is the utterance gifts. The revelation gifts, the power gifts, and the utterance gifts. Now, I'm gonna talk briefly about them. I can't do them true justice because you have to understand these these gifts require more study than what I can give you in in a short sermon. So you need to pursue this outside of this if you wanna learn more about the gifts of the Spirit. I've studied this immensely for many years, been under all kinds of teaching, grew up in a church that taught it quite frequently. So I'm, I'm a little bit more versed in it than the average Christian, but I do know this, that if you just have a general understanding, it'll, give, it'll pique your interest and you'll go after it if you really want it. All right, so here's the revelation gifts. The first one is the revelation gifts. Let me give you the three. The first of them is word of wisdom. And here's what a word of wisdom is. It's a supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit concerning the future, something that's yet to happen. You've, you've seen uh, people that talk about reading the future or pre- pre- predicting the future and so on and so forth, and sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong, but the Holy Spirit is never wrong. The Holy Spirit is never wrong about the future. He knows, here's the thing that's, that's kind of hard for us to understand. God already knows the end from the beginning. He knows how everything's gonna end. By the way, if you just read the book of Revelations, it'll give you, that's a, word, that's a revelation of the word of wisdom where John is taken up in a vision and he sees the end time before it ever happens and he tells us what's, com- what's coming. And I know it's hard for us to understand this, but things don't get better. I know we're praying for things to get better. As we draw closer to the return of Christ, things get worse. You're praying against what God's will is. But the reason they get worse is so that people come to this place, I need God. I need God. And so the word of wisdom is talking about the future. For example, Noah got a word of wisdom that that something's about to happen in the earth. I'm gonna flood the earth. He gave Noah 100 years to prepare for this, to build the ark. 100 years, a word of wisdom. Sometimes a word of wisdom happens way in advance of when the actual event's gonna take place. When we moved here in 1990, God gave us a word of wisdom and said, in the future, He said, things are bad now, but they're gonna get worse concerning race relations. He said, you need to prepare the church of how to reconcile culturally because when this happens, it's gonna cause a great division in people between the races. And you've gotta help the church's call to be the answer in the midst of all this turmoil. How many of you believe that? We're not to become an echo of the problem. We're to be an answer to the problem. We're not to spend our time posting things about all the problems. We're supposed to be saying, here's the answer and here's how we solve this problem. God has a way of reconciling by, by bringing people to a kingdom culture over an earthly culture. And we started preaching that years ago from a word of wisdom. Are you following me? 
God will show you things to come. Now, the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of the Holy Spirit concerning the past or the present. Something that's in the past that's happened or the present that only God knows about. And this is what's scary about God. God knows everything that's going on in your life. And if you're around somebody that's spiritually sensitive, sometimes God will speak to them about that. Y'all all right out there? Now, don't avoid me up in the lobby afterwards. But, but just listen, there are times when I've been with somebody and the Holy Spirit will say something to me about this person right while I'm talking to them. And I'll, and I'll say something to them. I'll say, now, is this happening in your life? And they'll go, how do you know that? How do you know that? I said, I, I just feel like the Spirit of the Lord just said that to me. Now, he's not saying that to me just to correct you. He's saying that to, you, to me to help you get through this or help you rectify this. Amen. The Holy Spirit, now, this is what Jesus did at the woman at the well. The woman at the well comes to him. How is it you, a, a Jewish man, is talking to me, a Samaritan woman, and why would you be doing this? And then he starts revealing some things about her. He says, you know, you've been married five times, and now you're living with a man? And she goes, how do you know this? And she was so, uh, you know, touched by this, that she went back to her hometown and started spreading the gospel to her whole town about this man I met. He told me everything about myself that no one could, could possibly know except God. That is the word of knowledge. And God will use you sometimes in the word of knowledge. I, I remember one time I was riding the car with my little daughter. We were going to, to school. And it's some, something very simple. I said, did you practice your spelling words? And she goes, yes, I did. And the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. No, she didn't. <laughs> no, it's just something, something simple like that. And I said, Lauren, did you practice your spelling words? Did you, get, did you really practice your spelling words? She said, yeah, daddy, I, I practiced them. I said, this is what I said. I said, Lauren, you know your daddy hears the Lord? You know he hears the Lord. So I'm just gonna ask the Lord whether you practiced your spelling word. Oh no, daddy, I didn't practice my spelling words. I promise I <laughs> Think about that from a parenting perspective. What if God could show you? I just dropped my kid off at the movie theater, but they're not at the movie theater now. The Holy Spirit will show you things that are currently going, if you could just learn how to tap into the supernatural. Amen. You don't need Life 360. You just need the Holy Spirit sometimes. <laughs> All right, then there's the discerning of spirits, and the discerning of spirits is discerning things in the spiritual realm. Now, this is where sometimes we get a little bit, you know, weirded out by God because he shows us things sometimes that are supernatural, like demons and angels. He say, have you ever seen a demon? Yes, I have. Have you ever seen an angel? Yes, I have. I've seen demons and angels. I've seen them. I've discerned them. I've seen them. In fact, we had a, a, a situation for several years in our house where my daughter kept getting visited by a demon at night. And it would haunt her, and it would wake up, and sometimes, she said, it would sit on her, on her chest, and it would intimidate her. And she'd come running down and get in the bed with us. And, and, and after a while, I said, you know, Lauren, I gotta teach you how to deal with the spirit so that you don't keep running down and get in the bed with us, because I don't like you coming down and getting in the bed with us. <laughs> No, I, I, I just want you to learn how to live in authority. You have authority over that spirit. Now, we can come up and pray and bind and cast out and all that kind of stuff every time, but I don't like getting up in the middle of the night every night. When that spirit comes to visit you, 
This is what you do. You say, in the name of Jesus, I command you, demonic spirit, to loose me and let me go. Get out of my room. Get out of here. And let me just say it. He has to go. I said, he has to go. You don't entertain demons. You cast them out. Amen. But now, if there's an angel in the room, just sit there and bask in the presence of it. Because that's a good thing if you have angels. I believe we have angels, and I believe there are demons that are assigned to us to stop us from our purpose, and that's why you need to discern between the two, amen? One of the reasons why we have so many false religions is people didn't discern spirits. They heard a visitation of a spirit they called an angel that gave them a revelation that wasn't from God and caused a whole other religion to start. Almost every false religion was started by, by a false angel that didn't discern properly, Amen? All right, then you've got the power gifts, the gift of faith. What is the gift of faith? It's supernatural faith. Now, this is different than your natural faith. It's when your natural faith ends and God kicks in with supernatural faith, where you believe when there's no reason for you to believe except that God has given you faith to believe. And you receive supernatural miracles. You receive something supernatural into your life through supernatural faith, the gift of faith. And then you have the working of miracles, which is supernatural intervention of God in the ordinary course of nature. Like when Jesus raised somebody from the dead or he walked on water, all the, those are working of miracles. And then you have the gifts of healings. And that's where God gives you special gifts to heal sicknesses and diseases. And sometimes it's specific sicknesses and diseases. And, and like, for example, my wife has the gift of healing for people who can't have children. And when she prays on them, the majority of them receive healing and they have children. And so I always tell people when they come, uh, can, can you pray for me? Can your wife pray for me? I'll say, are you ready for children? Because <laughs> this is not a game we're playing here because you're probably going to get pregnant. <laughs> Amen. Gifts of healing. That's the power gifts. That's the ones that everybody wants. And then you've got the utterance gifts. The, the utterance gifts are, first of all, different kinds of tongues or diverse tongues. And this is where people get confused about tongues. They think that this is speaking in tongues is, is the only part of tongues that's involved in the Bible. There's two kinds of tongues. Everybody say two kinds. There's, there's what we call the prayer language of tongues, which is given to every believer baptized in the Holy Spirit for their prayer language. And then there's the gift of speaking in tongues, which has a message to be interpreted for people to hear. And that gift is given according to how the Holy Spirit wills. And this is why a lot of people use that as an excuse for why they don't pray in tongues, because I don't guess I got the gift. The gift of speaking in tongues is I speak out in an unknown tongue and then there's an interpretation. Either I get it or someone else gets that tongue and interprets it in the language of the people that are there to hear it. Are you following me? And then there's the interpretation of tongues and that's a gift to be able to hear somebody speak in tongues and then interpret it into the language of the people so that they understand what God is saying. And then finally, there's the gift of prophecy, which is the supernatural word from God designed to edify, exhort, and comfort people. It is not a gift designed to predict the future. That's not the simple gift of prophecy is not predicting the future. That comes from a prophet. But the, the simple gift of prophecy is edify, exhort, or comfort people. It's not to tell them what to do with their life. This is why sometimes we get a little confused in the prophetic where people start to enter into this dimension of trying to tell people what to do by the Spirit of the Lord. 
and give them, give them the word of the Lord that you need to go leave your family and go move to Mexico or move someplace else. And, and I can't tell you how many burn and crash people we've seen because of personal prophecy that was taken beyond its limits. Are you following me? All right, so these are the nine gifts. And each one of these gifts, you should study them out, read about them, get books on them, listen to them. You should follow this out because the more you understand it, the more you're likely to operate in it, all right? The second thing is you must believe God wants to use you supernaturally. Not just understand the gifts, but he wants to use you. Before Jesus left the earth, he kept telling his fathers, everything you see me doing, you're going to be doing. And you're gonna be doing it because the Holy Spirit's gonna anoint you to do it. Now, going back to this time where I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm moving into this place of, okay, God, do you wanna use me? How do you wanna use me? And, and what do you wanna do with me? And as I begin to think it through a little bit, I begin to realize that God began to pour out his spirit upon the believers. They began to operate in the supernatural. So my first experience of being used by the Holy Spirit, this is, I'm just going back many, many years ago, was Colleen and I were dating. Now, we've been married 39 years, so that was a long time ago. We're dating we're living in Richmond, Virginia now at this time. And she comes home from work and I go over to visit her for dinner one night at her apartment. And she tells me, she says, I'm, I'm having a really bad tooth problem. She said, I went to the dentist a few days ago. He's scheduled me to have a root canal tomorrow. Would you pray for me? Now, when somebody says, would you pray for me? That sometimes that just means, would you, would you just pray a prayer that I don't expect to be answered? Just say something. Make me feel better for the moment that you're praying for me? Or would you pray for me that I can be healed? She was saying, would you pray for me that I don't have to have a root canal? And so I'm thinking to myself, my first thought is, well, I can pray for you, but you know, if the dentist said you gotta have a root canal, you gotta have a root canal. <laughs> and then the Lord said to me, why do you believe that always? Why do you always go right to science every time? Why don't you go beyond science and believe God for a miracle? So I said to her, I said, I'm gonna pray for you and let's just believe God to heal your tooth right now. I mean, I'm just a young Christian, barely saved, just newly filled with the Holy Spirit. And I said, let's just believe. Sometimes that innocence is what receives the supernatural. Sometimes the longer we're saved and we've experienced trouble and not got answers to our prayers, we give up on God. And so I prayed this prayer and, I, and I'm praying for it. Now, now, what I'm gonna about to say to you is gonna kind of, Make your mind go a little wacko. But this is exactly what happened, so no matter what you think about it, I know it happened. <laughs> it happened and it, and it convinced me that God is God, all right? So I'm praying for her, and as I'm praying for her, and the only way I can explain it is this. It's like this sprinkly thing in the, in the air, like little stars, like when you get knocked out and you see these things in your eyes. It's like this sprinkly thing started at her feet and just kind of came over her body, all the way over her head, and just landing on the other side. And I said to Colleen, I said, Colleen, did you see that? And she goes, yes, I did. <laughs> I said, what was that? She said, I don't know. Again, a sign that makes you wonder. Like, why did God do that? I have no idea, except to demonstrate to me that he was doing something. So I prayed for her, and she said, I feel better. I don't have a toothache anymore. I said, all right, so when you go to the dentist the next time, to, I think it was the next day or the day after, I said, 
ask him to re-examine you before he does the root canal. So she did. She went back to the dentist and she said, could you please re-examine me? He said, I've already got all the x-rays and all this. You need to, no, please, please, please. So she, he re-examines her, takes new x-rays and he comes back and he says, what, what did you do? She says, what do you mean? She says, well, everything's normal. Your tooth is whole. You don't need a root canal. You don't need a root canal. Yes, God. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that miracle. Oh, yeah. Well, we might all be applauding right now, but I was doing more than applauding when I heard all that. You know what it did? It, it marked me. It marked me because it showed me God is a God of the supernatural. And, and, and basically, I, I, I recognized that God was trying to show us that he wants to function through us in the supernatural, which leads me to the final point is you not only need to believe God wants to use you, but you also have to put yourself in a position to be used. Now, I'll tell this story and then I'll close. This is, this is a true story. <clears throat> and, and, and this is something that happened to me again right at the early days of my Christianity. And I'm, I'm sharing all my early stories because some of you are in that place where you're just starting with God and you're just learning. And I want you to capture the innocence of this because this is how it, it can function. Once it gets in your life, it'll become a normal. The supernatural will become a natural to you. You'll begin to function in it on a daily basis. You'll expect it to function every, every day. One day we were out witnessing. Back in the day when people went street witnessing. You all remember when people used to go street witnessing? from their church, we would go street witnessing, which was just a waste of time for most of us. And, 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 but we were down in this bad area of Richmond, Virginia, where all the homeless people were. And I'm witnessing to this guy who's homeless, obviously, and I'm starting to minister to him. And all of a sudden, these other guys that were around him started getting behind me, and the Holy Spirit gave me a word of knowledge. And here was the word of knowledge. And this sometimes is just a simple word, get out of there. Have you ever heard the Holy Spirit say that to you? Get out of there. Get out of that relationship. Get out of that bar. Whatever, get out of there. And he said, get out of there. And so I, I, I backed off and I walked away and Colleen and I walked away and she said, what was that? And I said, I, the Holy Spirit told me to get out of there and I think they were getting ready to rob me. They were, about, they were coming behind me. They were getting ready to rob me. So I got out of there. So fast forward next night, we come home from church. We, this is back when you had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and sometimes prayer meeting. How many of you remember that? Some of you old people, some of you, it's all you can do to get to church once every four weeks. But back in the day, we went to church three times a week and then some. We had special meetings and all that kind of stuff because we, 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 were, we, were, we want Jesus. We don't want the world. We want Jesus. And so we're... we're we're back after church. I'm sitting on the back porch of my, my apartment, which was right across, it was like right looking across the street on Monument Avenue at the Robert E. Lee statue. Some of you remember reading about how they pulled that statue down now, all the monuments to the old war, Civil War people. They pulled it down. It's not there anymore, but back then it was there. And I'm sitting there and we're talking and we hear these two guys walking down the middle of the street singing, obviously inebriated, and the Holy Spirit says to me, go over there and talk to them. And I, I've discovered, and I've said this many times, I've discovered this, when you talk to people that are inebriated, they're much more open to the gospel <laughs> than when they're sober. It's not hard to talk to a drunk. And so we, we were talking to these guys, and this is exactly what happened. As I start to talk to them, I start to mention Jesus. As I mention Jesus, one of the guys has an experience, a spiritual experience where he starts to 
get agitated, almost like a demon inside of him. And he starts twirling around like the Tasmanian devil. And he's just twirling around and he just twirls and twirls down the street until we don't see him anymore. <laughs> he's gone. That really happened. I'm telling you, with God, it's an adventure. Some of y'all need a bigger adventure with God. I'm just telling you, I've had some adventures. <laughs> and then this other guy is standing there, and he's still talking, but he's drunk. And, and as he's talking to me, the, this thunderstorm comes, and it starts to rain. And so I said, let's go up on our porch. And as we get up on the porch, I hear the voice of the Spirit say to me, he's got a demon of alcoholism. He's not just an alcoholic. He's got a demon of alcoholism that's controlling his life. A lot of addictions involve demons. And some, of you, some of you have addictions that could be involved in demons. And so, so the Holy Spirit said to me, cast that demon out of him. And I said, Lord, I've never cast a demon out of anybody. He said, it's real simple. Just use the name of Jesus and tell the demon to go. It's not complicated. It's not high theology. You don't have to go to Bible school for it. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You, you, you just cast the demon out. You have authority in the name of Jesus. Did y'all hear that? You have authority. So I said, all right, alcoholic demon, I command you to bow your knee right now and get out of this man. And I, and I cast it out. And as soon as I said those words, now this is gonna not make sense to your science and natural mind. As soon as I said those words, he was sober. He went from completely drunk to completely sober. And I started ministering to him the gospel and he received Christ. He received Christ right there on our doorstep. He received Christ. But now, whoa, 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 whoa. There's more to the story. So then I realized, okay, the Bible says when a demon goes out of a person, it roams about, then it comes back to see if it has re-entry port. Is it swept and clean? Is it, is it open for me to come back in? And sometimes it'll come back in seven times worse. So he said, you gotta get this guy filled with the spirit and you gotta get his life to order. You can't just leave him. You can't just say, be filled, be warmed, hope you make it. Y'all right out there? So bring him into your home, give him a shower, give him food, and clothe him. As much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. So I showered him, gave him some clothes, and fed him, and then I said, okay, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna help you. From this point on, I'm gonna help you. So that whole night, I had to stay up with him all night because he had the DTs, the, the tremors that you have when you're coming off alcohol. He went through this, incredible night, and I'm with him all night, screaming and having going all through all kinds of stuff. The next morning, I took him over to a rehab center that they could help him a little bit. I said, I'll see you every night till, you're, till they release you. And I went and saw him, and then after two weeks, he got out, and I helped him get a job. He lived with me for a little while, then I helped him get a job, helped him get an apartment, helped him buy a car, and eventually started going to church, and he was an usher. All right, his name was Cecil. And, and so Cecil was a functioning member of the church. And he told me, he says, I've never had a home. I've never had a car. As an adult, he says, I've lived on the streets for 33 years. And, and he went the entire year, he helped me witness to all these other people that were in the homeless place. We used to drive a van and pick up homeless people and pack them in the car and drive them to church. Until a year later, I got, we got, Colleen and I got married and her dad wouldn't come to the wedding because he was against it. He was Catholic, he didn't agree with her her switch out of the Catholic church. So he, came, he didn't come to the wedding. So Mr. Cecil put on a tux with no teeth and walked my wife down the aisle and gave her away in our wedding. My homeless man. Why did I share that? 
None of that would happen if you don't step out and let God use you. Did you hear what I just said? Most people will just sit back and watch that. Judge it. Well, I'm glad I'm not like that person. I'm glad I'm not in that situation. What would happen if the whole church started engaging with a lost world in the supernatural? You see, the reason that Jesus demonstrated that is because that demonstrates that God is who he says he is. In fact, Jesus went his first step further. He says, believe me for the words that I'm speaking. But if you don't believe the words I'm saying, believe me for the works that I'm doing. If you don't believe the words I'm saying, look at the things I'm doing. Supernatural things. What would happen if the whole church started operating in the supernatural? Quit waiting on somebody on the stage to operate in the supernatural. You have the ability to operate in the supernatural. Tonight, you ought to get out of your lazy boy and come on back here at the thirst. Come to one of the campuses, wherever, wherever you live, and you go after God. God, I want all that you have for me. I want to operate in the fullness of your spirit. I want to be used by God. Can you imagine what would happen in a church if everybody started functioning like Jesus? If everybody started functioning like Jesus, we would not have enough. COVID wouldn't be able to keep people out of the building. COVID, COVID just revealed what was in people's lives with God. It showed them where their faith really was. And I'm telling you right now, God is about to blast off in the church if you will just get the supernatural operating in your life. So I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to just take a moment, a Selah moment. I want you to think about your relationship with Christ. Everything starts with a seed, and the seed is Jesus. Once Jesus gets a hold of your life, he tells you the only way you're going to function like him is you're going to have to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. And the first step, or what we call one step, the first step is saying, yes, Jesus, come and take over my life. Come and be complete control of my life so that I can be yielded to the Holy Spirit. The more Jesus is Lord, the more the Holy Spirit will use you. And if you're here today, if you're watching online, if you're watching at one of the campuses and you say, I've never surrendered or I'm not fully surrendered in my life to Jesus Christ. I'm still living a kind of a double life or in the world. This could be your divine moment. This could be a moment where your life completely changes and starts a whole nother life with God. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed and all the campuses, those of you watching online, if you would say yes to Jesus, say Jesus today, I want that kind of relationship with you. I want to surrender my full heart, mind, and soul to you. Everything, my, my body, everything. I want to surrender it to you so that I can have a relationship with you through the Holy Spirit. If that's you, all across the campuses, I want you to lift your hand. Just lift it up high. Say, that's me, Jesus. All, lots of you here at Norcross, but all, of, all the campuses, lift it up high. Okay, you can put your hands down. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Believers, you pray with me. Let's say this together. Jesus... Right now, I repent of my sins. I put them on the altar and I leave them there. Today, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you are God who died on a cross and rose from the dead for me. And today, I surrender my life, everything to the Lordship 
of Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. Now take your hands and just lift them up right now. Lord, every hand that's lifted is saying, I surrender to you. I surrender my heart, my mind, my body, everything to you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you now. This is a, a weekend encounter. It starts this morning, but it, it really continues tonight where we just have a divine encounter with you that our life will never be the same again. I'm praying for a special impartation tonight of the Holy Spirit over the people. I'm praying for an anointing to fall on each campus so that the people that assemble will be touched by you in a unique way. Some need to be healed. Some need to be filled. Whatever it needs to happen. But you're going to do a work inside of us that no man can take credit for. And we invite that and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's give him praise. <laughs>